How you guys? You guys doing good tonight? All right, if you guys, real quick, I'm coming down. I'm coming down here. Like, it's so personal, right? I love it. All right, you guys back here. Move up to this, like, this middle, this front row right here. I want, I want everybody a little closer. A little closer. Everybody good? Everybody good? All right, all right, everybody's. How you guys doing tonight? You guys doing good? You guys doing good? I don't, I don't hear it. One more time. How are you guys doing tonight? All right, there we go. There we go. There we go. I love y'all's enthusiasm. Every Saturday night, you guys come in here with so much energy. So I got a question to pose to you guys, like I always do every time I first start. And I'm probably not going to get the right answer that I really want, but how many of you guys love books? Me! I kn- so pretty much... Pretty much all the girls love books and some guys, and it's cool. It's cool. If you love books, books are awesome. They make you learn. They're good things. Don't discount books. They're awesome. So think of it. I mean, we've all had to read a book at some point. Even if you don't like books, you've had to read a book some point in your life or something in school, right? So the reason we love books, I think, the reason I love books is because I'm the main character in that story, right? Or if you're reading a book... You think about being the main character in that story. All the ups, all the downs, all the highs, all the lows, right? So in my life, you know, if you think about it, our lives, my life, your life, is like a story. And the main character is you. And the author of that story is God, right? He's the one kind of penciling in all the ups and downs, the highs and lows of our lives. But have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance in your life to where you thought, God the author, how could he be writing this stuff in this chapter of my life? Have we we ever been there? I know I have. I think all of us have. It's kind of a, it's a question that I don't really have to pose because we've all had lows and we've all had highs, right? We've all been in good spots and we've been in bad spots and we're in those bad spots. We wonder, God, you're the author of my book. How are you writing this into my story? This is my story. So a few weeks ago, God kind of tested me and challenged me, right, in my story, in my book. So it's raining outside, right, and I'm like, all right, well, perfect day to hit up some Fortnite, right? Right? Raining outside, I can't get anything else done, so I'm going to hit up some Fortnite. Maybe I'm going to try to get me a, a dub. Maybe I'm trying to get me a win. So I'm coming in, coming in hot. I fire up the Xbox. I get all warmed up. I get my fingers warmed up. Yeah, Xbox. Who plays on PS4? Who plays on Xbox? Way outnumbered, because the guys in the back play on Xbox, too. So you're outnumbered. So I fire up the Xbox, right? I get my fingers all warmed up. Gotta get, I don't want to pull a thumb muscle. That would, then I can't play for, like, three weeks. And season four just came out, so, like, you gotta be, you got to be warmed up. So I'm getting into it, right? I stick my landing, go through, get a good loot. Got everything working for me. Full health, full potion, right? I get all the good guns. I got a minigun, a gold minigun. What are you shaking your head for? You know it's awesome. A gold minigun. You can kill anybody with that. Wait, I'm not done. So continue on. Get a couple kills. Take a gold scar and a gold shoddy. Got full health, full potion. Everything is lining up for an awesome day while it's raining. I'm going to get me a dub on Fortnite. So I'm coming up, coming through, and I see the last two people fighting. And they're going at it. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to strategize a little. I'm going to wait this out. By the way, at this point, I've never gotten a dub before. Never gotten a win. 
So I'm waiting and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to strategize. I'm going to wait until they fight it out. And when the last person gets hit just enough times, but he also beats the other guy, then I'm going to come up. I'm going to rush him. He's not going to have much health. He's not going to have much potion. I'm going to shoot him with my gold scar or my gold shoddy. Headshot, hopefully, right? Boom, I'm the winner. So I see it. It plays out perfectly. It plays out just the way I want it to. I build up to him. I build up over him. I jump over. I line up my headshot with my gold scar and then... Why? Why, God? Why would you do this to me right now? Why? Are you serious? I'm about to get a dub on Fortnite, but the power goes out. Like, are you serious? Are you serious? How frustrated would you guys be? I know I was super, super frustrated. But the thing is, so how many times in our story are there things written in, just like in that when God challenged me? Were there things written in where I say, God, this was about to go so good, but right now, at this very last second, everything has shifted for the worst? Think about it. So I want to introduce you guys to a series tonight, right, and we're going to call it my story. So over these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about my story, right? And, and it dives into the pains, the sufferings, the sorrow of an Israelite family struggling in their story because of their situation. And more importantly, it dives into this sometimes unseen goodness of God's hands in their lives and in yours. And that brings me straight to my big idea for tonight. You know, we all have those times, like I had that time, and you were thinking right now of the time in your life where everything was so good, and all of a sudden it went so bad, and you wonder why. But you have to remember, and it's the big idea for tonight and the rest of the series, that nothing just happens, because God is alive in your story. Nothing ever just happens. God is alive in your story. I want you to say it with me one time, real quick. Nothing just, okay, Okay, start over. One more time. Nothing just happens. God is alive in your story. That's the major theme of what we're talking about tonight, and you have to seal that in. That's why I like for you guys to say it aloud. So I want you to come with me real quick on this a journey to this little town known as Bethlehem. How do you guys know about Bethlehem in the Bible? So if you haven't, exactly. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's where it's like the core of it. That's what it's known for. So, and it starts in Ruth chapter one. Ruth chapter one, verse one states, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, Moab taking his wife and his two sons with him. So here's the setting. And we give you, I'm giving you this setting so we can kind of really understand what's going on. Anytime we hear a story in the Bible, we want to know the, the backdrop. Why things are happening is very important. So I'm going to repeat it. It says, in the days of the judges ruled, when they ruled Israel. So what that means is if we go to Judges, the, the last verse of Judges, it explains what that means. And it says, in those days, Israel had no king, right? 
Israel, country, they were ruled by a king, but they had no king. All the people did whatever they seemed right in their own eyes. So I'm painting you a picture of all these people in Israel just kind of pretty much doing whatever they want. There is no king. There is no ruler. We're just going to take what we have. We're going to do what we want, and we're just going to live, and it never really turns out good. So in that, when people generally did that in Israel, Israel had this common theme. Because of that, they would, the people of Israel, they would sin, right? And then God would send an enemy or famine to get their attention because they were sinning and he doesn't want his people sinning. Remember, Israel is God's chosen people. And then the people would repent. They'd have a change of heart, a change of mind. And they say, okay, we're gonna serve you now, God. We love you, we're sorry. The people would go right back to the way they were in they get comfortable again, and then they go off and do it bad again. Doesn't that sound really familiar? When I read this, I know this sounded really familiar for me because I'm good, right? I'm bad. Life sucks. And then God saves me with his mercy, and then I'm good again, and I'm living for him, and then I kind of forget that. And then, I'm, all right, I'm just going to kind of, my pride swells up in me again. God hasn't humbled me, so I'm just going to go off and I'm going to live my own way. I'm not going to listen to people. I'm just going to do what I want. And then the cycle repeats. It's vicious. I'm sure you guys are thinking of how you have done that before too. You're, you're well behaved. You don't act out. You do what you're supposed to be doing. Then you get comfortable. Then the God of your life, your parents, they come cracking down on you, right? God sends them and they come cracking down on you and then you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll be good again, I'll be good again. And then you're good and then the cycle continually repeats. So we're gonna go to the next verse, Ruth 1, 2, right? I'm so, I want you to kind of, I'm painting this picture through Ruth, Ruth, Ruthie, Ruth, 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 the first chapter of Ruth. Ruth 1, 2 says, the name's man was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malion and Kilion, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So, little backstory again. Elimelech, he was an Ephrathite. That was the little tribe he was from. And actually what that means is fruitful. And it was a founder, founding house, founding family of Bethlehem, the, the city we all know so well. Bethlehem itself actually means house of bread. House of plentiness. So remember, we just read... That Israel was experiencing a famine, right? That means no bread. But wait, Bethlehem means the house of bread. What is going on here? This, this picture is not really coming out too good. We're in the house of bread, yet there is no bread. And Elimelech understands that. So I want to show you real quick where they were at, because remember the verse said that Elimelech took his family and went to Moab because he was in Bethlehem. So real quick, we'll look at a slide, and I want to kind of paint you a picture of where they were at in relation to Moab. So Bethlehem is over here to the left, and Elimelech and his family, they're chilling over here, and everything's bad. And then they look across, Elimelech looks across the Dead Sea, and he sees Moab. And what he sees is, he, he sees, wow, it looks a lot better over there. He's looking across the sea, and he says, right here we have no bread, and my family's kind of suffering. And it looks a lot better over there, so I think I'm going to pack up, and I'm going to go over there. But just a little backdrop on what Moab was. See, Moab was a foreign country. Obviously, it's all the way across the sea. But Moab also served false gods. 
the number one false god being Chemosh. And his name literally was, he was the god, he was the destroyer, the subduer. In other cultures, sometimes he was a fire god. In this culture, this god, what they would have to do is the people would have to sacrifice humans and animals. They would have to have blood sacrifices. They would sacrifice children to this god, especially sixth through eighth graders, which I found really particular for this moment. Just kidding. Probably not, but they would sacrifice kids. So think about it. He, Elimelech, is taking his family from Israel, right, from Bethlehem, Judah. The one true God lives there and is the king of that place, and he's taking them all the way to Moab, where they're, they're serving false gods, and it's bad, and, and you're serving the destroyer. See, Elimelech said, I think the grass is greener on the other side. Have we ever heard of that saying? The grass is greener on the other side? Is that also not familiar to what we do in our lives? Hey, maybe the grass is just a little, a little greener over in that guy's yard. Maybe if I just go over there, all will be well within my soul. But really, the whole reason that you have such pain is because you've been neglecting your own yard. Your own grass hasn't grown because you haven't watered it. And you think if you go over there to where he's been watering it, or to where you think it's better then everything's going to be better. But you hadn't addressed a deeper issue within yourself. I think we all do that. We think the grass is greener and we, in so many situations, just want to reach out and just make the instant pain go away by snubbing it out with some type of sin or some type of deceit, some type of rebellion. And it's never, ever good. So continuing the story in Ruth 1 three through five, right? We see that Elimelech died. So the father of the household, he dies. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women, because remember they went to Moab. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malion and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. So up to this point, this isn't turning out for a very good story at all for Naomi, is it? Her family goes across the way to a foreign country where they're serving false gods and they're having human sacrifices and, and just all this crazy stuff. And then her husband dies. And then her sons get married, but then they die. And she she's, has these two daughter-in-laws that are from the Moabite culture. Not the Israelite, the Moabite culture. Their way of life is so much different. So Naomi, she can't provide because in that time, a woman left without a husband could not provide. She was left in a hard spot. So how would you respond if this was you? If your life has, has been put up to this point, right? But remember, remember, big idea. Nothing just happens. God is alive in your story. God is alive in their story. Nothing just happens. So what do you think Naomi does? She goes back home because that's really all she has left to do so she goes back home she takes her to she actually she says i'm gonna go back to bethlehem and she's taking her two daughter-in-laws with her right and then she realizes well you guys don't really need to come with me because i, I can't what she says is i can't provide you with another more sons for you to marry and if i do if i did have kids at this point you guys couldn't marry them because you'd have to wait until they were full grown and you guys would be old by that point. 
She said, I'm useless for you. I have, I, you have no need for me. So she gives him an out, Orpah and Ruth, Naomi does. She says, return to your household. I'm going to go back to Israel. You guys return. So Orpah, she takes it. She's like, all right, I'm out. Pretty much your, your life really kind of sucks up at this point, and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. So I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to my gods, to my culture, and I'm not going to serve who you're serving anymore. But Ruth, Ruth on the other hand, Ruth stays, and she says something extremely beautiful. Ruth 1, 16 through 18 states, this is what Ruth says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. This is very important, because her God was a false God, and she put all that behind to serve Naomi's one and true God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So they return home. They were returned to Bethlehem, Judah. And then everybody remembers them. That brings us to 1, 19 through 21. So the two of them continued on their journey, right? When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, the woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? And then as we continue to read, lightning strikes down from heaven and, and kills Naomi, and that's the end of the story. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, but at this point, wouldn't that make sense? I mean, think of Naomi. She has gone through all this stuff. Wouldn't it, it I mean, it's just, it's really depressing. Wouldn't it be kind of be better if she just, if God put her out of her misery? But check this out. There's something so interesting about Naomi. So have you ever in your life had somebody that was like, they're just kind of depressed, they kind of drag you down? I think we all have. Right, everything's just kind of like, woe is me. E Eeyore, right? You guys remember Winnie the Pooh? He's an Eeyore. He's so sad and sorrowful all the time. This could have been Naomi in every situation that arose in her life, every little paragraph that God wrote in, but it wasn't. You see, she chose a different path. So what do we know about Naomi up to this point? As it stands right now, her life is completely downhill. But if we notice before, she is still proclaiming, proclaiming God as Lord over her life. Because in the, in the prior scripture, she says, and she calls God the Almighty One. She said, call me Mara, I'm bitter, but the Almighty has forsaken me. She's still claiming God as God. She hasn't forsaken God. Actually, Almighty in Hebrew means, it, it's, the Hebrew word is Shaddai which places, if you say Shaddai, it places God in his rightful throne. And you're saying, regardless of where I'm at right now, yes, yeah, she was sad. It's okay to be sad when sad things are happening. But she still said, God, you are my God, and I'm going to worship you. And a life of worship is a life of following God. So she must be a good person because Ruth 
has followed her up to this point. And has, remember, she was mobile. Ruth was a mobile. She forsook all that she knew, Chemosh the destroyer. I mean, that'd be kind of easy to, to, to put away, right? I, I would want to. But she put that away and she followed Naomi all the way to a foreign land for her to serve the one and only true God that Naomi professed. And see, Naomi was such a witness to God in our lives because of how she just lived. See, Naomi knew she had insight on something. She knew all this stuff is happening to me, but God is still God, and he's still alive in my story. And she knew that nothing just happens because he is alive in my story, right? Romans 8, 28 says, for all things work together for the good of those who love God. Naomi obviously loved God because she didn't give up. So we think the story should just end here because it's so depressing and so down. But actually, the story continues on. But real quick, back to my Fortnite story from earlier, right? You guys remember that? Why? Why, God? Why? Why have you forsaken me? I was going to get a win on Fortnite, right? I'm about to get a win. But see, the coolest thing about this story is, little did I know, little did I know, it's raining outside, remember? So my power goes off. Everything's down. I'm like, oh, my God. So it's just you got to empathize with me. I'm still kind of getting over this. A little bit. <laughs> right then, lightning hits the transformer outside in the front, like by the street. It pops it. Boom. And in that moment, I realized, right, I realized if all my stuff would have been on when that happened, it would have sent a surge of electricity through my house. My Xbox probably would have blown up. A TV would have blown up. Everything that was hooked to the walls would have blown up. My microwave, my refrigerator. That would have been thousands of dollars in damage that I would have had to replace. So really, this like, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to be so good and God, he took my win away from Fortnite. No, actually, he saved me from so much more by taking one little thing away that I thought was so good in the moment. But really, it had nothing in the grand scheme of things. See, just because we expect a story to end a certain way, it doesn't mean that God is going to end it that way. Just like my story. Just like your story. And just like Ruth's story. So the last verse of Ruth 1, chapter 1, it states, So Naomi returned from Moab, right, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So it says it right there, barley harvest. So what does that mean? It means that food has returned to the land of Israel. In the town of Bethlehem, there is food. There's a harvest going on of barley. So what are you saying? I'm saying that God is still so much alive in this story. And just like he's so much alive in this story, he's so much alive in my story and in your story. That nothing in life just happens. Because God is always alive in our stories. 
He will always be there for you, even when you think, hey, the grass is a little greener on the other side, and you take that route. He's still going to be there for you. And he's still going to use those even bad things for your own good because he loves you. Because you love him. But he loved you first. And that's the most important part. Right? 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And what that means is God really just takes our reasoning and he flips it upside down. What we think is good and we think is awesome, sometimes he uses that for a completely different way. And what we think is horrible, sometimes he uses it for the best thing that could ever happen in our lives. So I just want you guys to leave tonight with one little thing. Just like Naomi, she continued to pursue, she continued to serve her God. And she knew that he was always alive. God is always alive in your story. Seal that in. Let it sink in deep. Because I'll be real. Standing up here, I remember when I was in 6th and 8th grade. There were times in my life that I really, really, really thought, wow, how could it get any worse? How really, I'm serious. How could it get any worse? And there's things going on right now, maybe in your lives that I don't even, I don't even have a clue about, but God knows. I mean, some deep things. You see, he allows those things to happen sometimes. And, and don't ever think that he has forsaken you because he's always there and he's allowing it to happen to make you a better person and to bring glory to his name. So right now, with, with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, with respect to the individual to your left and your right, maybe you came in here tonight and you don't even know who Jesus Christ is and, and how God really intervenes in every part of our stories. Maybe you didn't know that God is the author of your book, but I'm here tonight to tell you that he is. And then he sent his only son to die for you, to shed his blood, to be your redeemer so that you could have eternal life in heaven with him because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he recklessly pursues you. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed. Maybe you've never heard the gospel message and that's what we're talking about tonight. I just want, I want all of us to repeat it. I want you to repeat this with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I know that I need a savior. I pray that you will come into my life and that you will be my Lord and my savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live my life for you. And I want you to continue to write my story. So with all eyes closed still and all heads bowed still, if that was you tonight, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to slip your hand up. And it's not for anybody to know, it's just so that we can get with you and, and our servant leaders and our other pastors can get with you and, and talk with you because this is the best decision you will ever make because it's eternity we're talking about here. 
not just the next five minutes or not the next Fortnite game. So on the count of three, one, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands. Two, three. Thank you, Jesus.